The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet is the... Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen grand is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning and welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen on the Autism Network. I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm here with the fabulous and wonder wonderful but slightly together Dr. Doreen Grampichet and we're going to take it easy on her today. Um, but I, I want to just say if you just watch that clip and if you were watching the It's a Wonderful Life event at the Ed Asner Center on Sunday or if you're re-watching it now because they've made it available for people uh, I think at a lesser price uh, to watch it at your convenience uh, at home right now. You will see that uh, segment play. Uh, it was very fun watching all these holiday things. And then all of a sudden it was the do 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 ask Dr. Doreen uh, message because Dr. Doreen was a, uh, a wonderful and generous sponsor of that event, which I know they were deeply appreciative. And um, it was great fun to see you. I had people from all over the country calling me and going, oh my goodness, Shannon, you look so good. And I was like, yes, because it was shot six years ago. I'm six years younger there, folks. Uh, they were like, Shannon, you look so good. And I was like, yeah, we all go back in your photo album and look at how you looked six years ago. Uh, well, Shannon, you look beautiful today, especially. So I want to start there. I got, I got my sassy red on, uh, which I'm very excited. Uh, in fact, you and I, uh, along with your kiddos, your adult kiddos, we can't call mm -hmm. them kiddos anymore. The fabulous people that you, uh, that are your progeny. Is that the right way of saying that? <laughs> uh, the, the, the adults that, that you were, were able to bring to the planet. Uh, we sat down and played some games for the toy guide. And I, I literally went out and bought this sweater so that to, and then I never put it on which is a ridiculous thing. But uh, good morning, Amanda. We're going to talk about the thing that you sent me in just a few minutes, Amanda. Um, but, uh, and we are going to show you one of the clips from when uh, when I got together with Dr. Grampy Shea and played games with her adult children in just a minute too. Let me take care of some business though, before we do anything. First of all, good morning, Dr. Grampy Shea. Good morning, <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome. We're very excited to have our show with you today. And as Shannon says, forgive me because I'm a little bit under the weather. So I sound congested and I might not be as sharp, but. But you are, you're always so game and so willing. Uh, I tried to talk her out of doing it, you guys, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't budge. Um, but uh, let us know if you, you know, decide that you'd rather, because uh, we got so much to talk about today. I think that was why you yeah. wanted to do it. Uh, let's remember that we are live right now on YouTube, on Twitter. We're live on Facebook. We, I believe we're live on autismnetwork.com right now, but I don't, I wouldn't swear to that. That's coming any minute now. Um, but we're also live on a bunch of other places. Twitch, look, we're live on Twitch. Uh, so check out all the different places where you can find us. 
We do want you to know, though, that we do, we want to send you over to autismnetwork.com. Check it out. It is a living and breathing website, and which means it's changing minute by minute, hour by hour. We want your input. We want to know what you guys think about it, what resources you would like on there, how we're trying to make it more searchable for you by topics. That's one of our big goals with this new site. So um, check it out for us and see if you like it. We're still on the, the regular homepage, autism-live.com, and the toy guide is available on both of those pages. Our 2021 Autism Live Toy and Gift Guide, which it's hot, hot, hot. I'm telling you, if you're shopping for someone that has anything to do with the autism community, I would definitely check it out and check out all of the different pages. Uh, we have award categories in 16 different categories. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about with Dr. Grampy-Shay, the award winners this year that were therapist recommended award winners. Um, so we're going to be doing that. But I'm saying to a bunch of people who are already writing in questions, you can start writing in your questions in the live uh, chat. Um, and, you, and to do that, all you do is whatever platform you're watching, put the question in there and uh, we'll hopefully show up here. We're saying good morning to VG. We're saying good morning to Amanda and her blue hearts. And of course, we're saying good morning to uh, Parker. Uh, and if you would like to write in, do that now. I do want to give our disclaimer that we give at the start of the show that Dr. Doreen is, I believe, the preeminent expert in the field of autism in our time, in any time. Um, but even with all the experience that she has, which is more than 40 years of working with individuals in a compassionate and empathetic way to help them to achieve things that are significant to them and to help their families along the way. Um, with all of that experience, it, she is not able to give individual specific advice in this platform because that would be a disservice to the individual, correct? So um, please write in your questions, whether you are the individual on the spectrum yourself or you are someone who loves someone on the spectrum, please write in your questions. And uh, she will give you information from her vast experience, but we will ask you to take um, her the information she gives you back to the experts that have eyes on the situation, because that is ethically what I think everybody would want, right? Um, okay, um, so feel free to be writing in those things right now. We want to thank you. We are the number one rated autism podcast worldwide. We know that that's because of you. So please ask your question. Be patient. We'll get to as many questions as we can. We do have some other things to talk about, though, this morning because it's, you know, we only have Dr. Doreen once a week and the prevalence numbers came out last Thursday. So we've not seen you since then, Dr. Grampichet. And I wanted to take a couple of minutes to talk about that with you. For those of you that aren't in the United States and may have missed this, the CDC came out with a couple of reports, not just one, a couple of reports last Thursday. But the, the one that's been getting the most attention in the press is the one that suggests that the, the new prevalence numbers uh, are one in 44 across the country, one in 26 in the state of California. And if that doesn't take your breath away, then I don't know what would. Um, so we wanted to leave at least a couple of minutes for you to to, to tell us your thoughts on this, Dr. Grampiche. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, I guess two thoughts. You know, one is that it is important. I, it's very important that this uh, number came out, that this study, these studies came out because 
if I don't know if you remember Shannon, but the last time we had an increase, I mean, and I've lived through this, these types of increases many, many times, right? I mean, when I started in this field, it was one in 15,000 children, right? And it's hard to imagine. And then it jumped and you remember probably when it was like one in 250 or one in 150, one in a hundred, one in 50, and just keeps going, right? And every time a new number comes out, there's a period of time after that where everyone starts to say, oh, it has plateaued. And those of us in the field are like, no, it has not plateaued. Like, you know, just as an example, I can say that Card, for instance, has 4,500 kids on its wait list right now. So it's it has not plateaued and it's continuing. And uh, so it's important that these studies come out because they are, especially when you get something from the CDC, of course, it, it helps maintain funding uh, and it helps maintain attention to this issue, which is very, very serious. Uh, so that's the positive side of it. The other thing that's interesting, I guess, is that, you know, when you say it's one in 26 in a particular state like California, that, in my opinion, is not because of a higher prevalence in California, but it's because of a better recognition and better tracking in California. So, <clears throat> you know, it's very important to note that this number is probably actually higher than what they're reporting currently, because those studies were from 2018, if I remember correctly, and we're now three years later. So it's probably higher than one in 44. In fact, some people say it's around one in 30 or one in 32 now, but uh, across the country. And the, the, the California number might even be really accurate in, in all states, it's just that California tracks it very, very well. And California also, there's like a lot of diagnosticians in California. There are a lot of people who are tracking it, a lot of people who are treating autism and so on. So, you know, Shannon, originally the CDC used to grab its numbers out from California, from the California regional centers. And now they've started, they started some years ago tracking it themselves. So those are kind of my thoughts about it. And I see that Parker has actually even written in about this, if you notice his question. And my, I was just writing to Traven that my chat has crashed. So I'm going to need Traven to send me the, um, I was trying to write to somebody had written in, BG had written in asking desperately for help and asking if they could call us. And I get, I was trying to give BG my email and I don't know what it yeah, did, it, it came out, Shannon. It, I see the, I see it on but, the But now it's crashed, but now it's crashed and I can't see anything. Okay. Um, so I will need Traven to send me Parker. I saw that Parker had written in, but I can't oh, see I Parker's see. Yeah, comments, so, so I'm, I'm flying. I on. see, I see. So Parker had said, my question is about the prevalence numbers. I was diagnosed with PDD-NOS around 1999 to 2000 and regular ASD in 2007. Uh, the numbers are so alarming. Is there any way to figure out how big this jump will get in, for example, 10 years time? What should we do to curtail the numbers a little bit? And that, of course, Parker, is a, a brilliant question. And it is the question of the hour. And I don't want to 
I mean, some other, maybe on another show, we will delve into it for the whole hour and talk about it. But I just, I'll briefly touch on it. And I've, I've talked about the rates increasing dramatically due to toxicity in our environment. I've talked about that many times, and I guess I'll touch on it again right now. Um, autism is increasing very rapidly. Unfortunately, it's not the only uh, chronic illness that is increasing rapidly. There are others as well. Uh, it might shock our viewers that there is a lot of research indicating that something around excuse me, one in three men and one in four women have fertility issues now. So there are a lot of uh, things that are going on and they all uh, have to do with uh, toxicity in our environment. Specifically, this has a lot to do with, you know, and let me just focus on autism, but the pesticides, for instance, that used to be used and now the form of pesticides has changed in the u.s but basically most of our soil most of our water everything in the u.s has now become infected with toxins and these are very very difficult to eliminate because the toxins are water soluble and they're actually in our water source as well and so these toxins when you have children and even parents mothers who have a low redox cycle. In other words, for other reasons, they are unable to detoxify from environmental toxins as rapidly as, as you'd like. Uh, as a result, uh, the children that are, are affected by these toxins and at different points in their development, right? So if, it's, if the child is affected as an embryo, it's going to have a more profound type of effect than if the child is affected, let's say, at the age of three. So, but at different times, children are affected. And, and, you know, ultimately, it's going to affect everyone. It's not even a question anymore. It is, as you can see, you know, we really believe that the numbers are closer to one in 26 or so. I mean, that's like one child in every classroom, Right. And it's just starting to increase and show and be recognized and so on. So to answer your question, uh, Parker, it's really all about reducing toxins in our environment, which means for us, people who don't really have all that much control over our agriculture in the U.S. But what we can do is we can eat organic foods we can reduce the uh, food additives and colorings in our diets. Um, and it's not easy to do those things, but that's kind of how you uh, start to reduce toxicity. Wonderful. Um, and thank you for that. I, there is another story that, in fact, Amanda had sent to me um, and that we were tracking for Friday, but then I shared it with you, Dr. Grampiche, and I want to at least mention it. Um, Psychology Today has uh, said, we've, we've, we've been knowing for a while that there's a group of people who have been asking for a new, di uh, a new designation for profound autism. And the Lancet Commission has now called for this. Um, and so I wondered if you could talk a little bit about this and, and your feelings about, um, do you think this is the right move and what do you think? Yeah, well, I do think it's the right move and I'll I'll tell you why I, 
never really agreed with the DSM-5 in the sense that, well, I mean, so there were pros and cons. So, you know, when many, many the, the DSM, by the way, for our viewers, is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. That's what DSM stands for. And there, we're currently on the DSM version five. Uh, so I've been through many, many DSMs. I think I trained originally when I learned about autism, we were on the DSM three and then came next came the four, the four revised and so on. And so every few years, there's a new diagnostic manual. And usually it's because there's a new disorder that has been discovered and uh, people are writing about it and science has this, you know, started to, um, provide more information about it and so on. But with autism, it has always been there. It's autism, as we know, was originally defined in 1943. So it's been around for a long time. But every single time the diagnostic manual comes out, the definition has changed. And that's it's one of the few mental disorders where we keep changing the definition. Which, you know, I always in my speeches, in my lectures, I always say that's just one other indication to tell you we don't know much about it. But when, you know, what used to be before the DSM-5, as you know, Shannon, was there was autistic disorder and then there were, there were actually four types. And then there was Asperger's, which I thought was very important to separate Asperger's from the other forms of autism because individuals with Asperger's uh, really are extremely high functioning. They don't necessarily suffer from this, the second uh, category in autism, which is sort of the ritualistic repetitive behaviors. They more uh, struggle with the area of just social behavior. And so that to me has always felt like a different thing and uh, in, with DSM-5, when the diagnostic manual came out, which, gosh, correct me if I'm wrong, Shannon, I think it came out in, I want to say 2013 or somewhere around there. Yeah. So what they did is they merged all of these different types and called it autism spectrum disorder. And yes, it is a spectrum. But and, and the benefit of doing that, one thing that was good about that, to be honest, was that individuals who had Asperger's could then receive uh, health insurance. And before, it had been extremely hard for them to receive any kind of help because they're so high-functioning that, you know, uh, payers felt like, oh, it isn't necessary for them to get this treatment. But once it was all kind of put under one umbrella, then the payer couldn't discriminate and say, yes, the child with autism gets it, the child with Asperger's doesn't. So that was the benefit of that. But I never agreed that this is all one disorder. Um, and I right now, what is being discussed is kind of the other end of the spectrum, which is profound autism. And I feel like those individuals with profound autism have been uh, overlooked to some extent because... There's just, an, there's, you know, a set of resources out there, right? And, uh, and I can give many examples. And, and it te these resources tend to be used for individuals who are not as profoundly affected. For example, um, special schools. A lot of special schools will not actually take students who are profoundly autistic 
because they can't handle it. And instead of developing specific programs for those individuals, those are, they just don't take them. They, they feel like, okay, we're, we're serving the rest of the autistic uh, population, so we're okay. We don't have to. In fact, Shannon, if you know, most ABA providers also just refuse to accept the profoundly autistic uh, population, which I just think is, is wrong. And, you know, it, it, these are individuals who I think in the article I read an example of uh, where it's actually the parent who's writing this and says, you know, there's a whole group of adults who are so severe that they're in diapers at home watching TV all day or something. And it's true. And I have a, a few of those patients and they are, you know, it's always the parents who are putting in all of their uh life attention resources, you name it, to uh, make sure that their child continues to to survive. So in that sense, I think there's a really good, good point to separating out uh, the profoundly diagnosed. Yeah, I've been saying for a while that, you know, the word autism, um, which is supposed to cover so many things, um, I, I wish as we start to phenotype and talk about the different types of autism, I wish we would come up with individual names for each and every one of them. I know insurance can't handle that, but for the community and for the sake of people who feel that they've been left by the roadside, there are many parents who will, you know, say my child has the type of autism that nobody ever wants to talk about. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that those of us in the community know exactly what they mean when they say that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, man, you know, it's, yeah. it's devastating. And I, and I'm friends with a, with a, a high number of people on Facebook who would classify their children that way. And I see what those parents go through because we all have felt like our kids have been left out at some point, but you know, in, in that contest, which nobody wants to participate in those parents win, yeah. Um, because, and, yeah. and they are left often to deal with, they can't, there's no hospital, there's no program. Um, it, I can't even imagine, can't even imagine. And also, and also Shannon, I, I, you know, there's of course the population of individuals who are higher functioning, um, and they have a voice. And I think that it isn't right that they are representing the profoundly diagnosed. Because, the, uh, you know, of course, higher functioning individuals might say, hey, I have autism, leave me alone. I kind of want to, there's nothing about me that you need to fix, right? Which I absolutely agree and support with anyone who is functional, happy in life. They're, they don't need anything. They don't need therapy, right? But the profound are, it's a different story, right? The, the, those who are profoundly autistic they have difficulty surviving, just surviving. Like they have difficulty feeding themselves. They have difficulty uh, going to the bathroom. They have, forget about things like leisure and social. I mean, they can't communicate their pain. There's, there's so many things that are, uh, should be treated differently. And it's very, very important. So I think this is a good movement. I'm in support of it, but I will say Shannon, I don't like where the line is being drawn. Like they're, they've uh, drawn the line at an IQ of 50 
And I can tell you that there's going to be a lot of profoundly affected individuals whose IQ is a little bit higher than that. So, you know, 50 is very, very hard. First of all, IQ is a terrible way to differentiate or draw this line because for a hundred different reasons, I, I actually personally think that a lot of my individuals who are very, very severely affected by autism are actually extremely intelligent. There's really no way for us to measure it because they cannot express themselves because of other types of issues and, and disabilities that they struggle with, right? So I don't think intelligence has much to do with it. And I don't like the concept of intelligence entering our world of autism again. I remember the time back in the, I want to say 70s, and a lot of our parents won't even know this, but back in the 70s, you know, autism used to be kind of, uh, people used to think that if you have, and it was part of the diagnostic criteria, actually, that if you have autism, you also have mental retardation, which is now called intellectual disability. And, and that I had many, many years, I would lecture on the fact that this is not true and that it's our testing that is wrong. And so I don't want the concept of IQ to come into this decision. I think it has to do with the severity of symptoms and, and IQ shouldn't be one of them. Amen to that. Oh, I'm, I'm muted. I'm sure. No. <sighs> oh, good, 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 good. Uh, <laughs> So I was going to have it because I, I have a screen up. Um, I appreciate everything that you said about that, Dr. Grampuchan. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to talk about this. Uh, I want to get to some questions because then I want to do from our toy guide, our therapist recommended toys uh, with you today. I uh, also wanted to say that I have not, BG, I understand that you've sent me an email. It hasn't come through yet, but I'm watching very closely. Terry wrote in and said, hi, Dr. Doreen, thank you for all that you do for our kids at CARD. And they said, thank you, Shannon, for continually being a beam of hope for parents with kids on the spectrum. I'm going to get a t-shirt made that said, I was called a beam of hope. That makes my day. <laughs> but, but they have a question for you. Um, and the question is, I want to start my child on vitamin B12 shots, but the PCP is refusing to give me uh, a prescription. According to her, he is not deficient on vitamin B12 and she is not aware info. Please, what do I need to do or to be able to get this prescription for my son? I have done a lot of research and I think that a major difference with my son's improvement, I need help. Great, great, Terry. So there's uh, our PCPs are usually not measuring methyl B12. You're looking for methyl B12, and this is different than cobalamin, so, which is what they're measuring. So you need to talk to one of the doctors on uh, MedMaps, and we will put up that information here for you. Uh, these are the physicians that very specifically focus on uh, methylation cycle and the things that our kids are dealing with. And certainly, uh, yes, I've actually seen a lot of kids benefit from the methyl B12 and uh, talk to a physician who is, who is affiliated with MedMaps and they will be able to help you. I think uh, Shannon or Traven will put that up shortly. There it is. I'm sending it to Traven so that he can, oh, he, had, he did it before me. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
so uh, wonderful. And it is a big difference. I can tell you that my pediatrician would never do the, the B12, but I went to a, 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 one of the MedMaps doctors, got the prescription, and my son did methyl B12. Yeah. Um, and it made a big difference. So there we go. Uh, Shem, Shem, Shamu says, um, hi, I would like to know if a child with ASD has meltdowns for a long time and he uh, is nonverbal, what can be done to calm him down? Great question. Very good question. So um, I'm trying to think of how to answer this without going into an hour long lecture. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, meltdowns are really, we often talk about how, how any kind of challenging behavior for someone who is nonverbal should be classified as communication. You should think of it as a, what is the child trying to communicate at that time? And that's really important because, uh, there's a reason that the child is having a meltdown. And usually from a behavioral standpoint, we always say that everything we do is for two reasons. One is uh, to gain access to something or to avoid something. And so if, I'll give you some examples. Like I might have a meltdown uh, if you take away an object, like a toy or something that I want to gain access to, right? So that would be uh, one reason, or I might, for instance, have a meltdown if I want to get out of an environment that I'm, like in classroom or something, and I want to just get out. So I'll have a tantrum and they'll take me out. Or I might have a meltdown because I want to gain uh, your attention. Um, or um, so it's always gain access to something or avoid something. And so in behavior, uh, uh, behavioral therapy, what we do is we do what's called a functional behavior assessment. And that means we figure out what the meltdown is trying to communicate. If the child could talk, what would they say? What would they be saying instead of that meltdown? Would they be saying, no, I don't want to do this. Uh, no, I, I, this is too hard. I want to break or I don't take my toy away or, hey, you're not paying attention or whatever they're trying to communicate. I don't like the pain that I'm feeling right now, whatever it is. Right. And you have to try to figure that out. And a behavior analyst, a BCBA can help you with that. Um, because the, when, once you figure that out, it, you, there is the treatment. The treatment has to do with the actual function of the behavior. So for example, if the meltdown occurs because the child wants to leave a certain environment, then you don't allow the child to leave the environment, but you teach them a different way of communicating what they want. If the meltdown occurs because the child doesn't want to do something, you don't allow them to avoid doing that thing, and you teach them a different way that allows them to avoid it. I feel like I should have a better way of explaining this. So um, what you're trying to do is you're trying to teach the child that a meltdown is not a good way of communicating. There are better, more adaptive ways of communicating. So when you have a meltdown, you don't get what you want. But when you ask or point to an icon or give me a picture or whatever more appropriate adaptive way of communication... When you do that, you can get what you're trying to get. And at, the more you do that, the more over time the child realizes, 
you know, these tantrums are not working anymore. I'm not getting what I want. So this is better because I'm now, I will now use my words or I will now use my PEC system or whatever it is. I will keyboard so that, because that's what actually works. Hopefully that made some sense. Absolutely. I mean, this is a difficult concept, right? I, can I also say, because I think it was you that said one day, you know, many years ago, and it just went in my head, um, because I think words matter. It's the reason why we do jargon of the day on the show. Um, and and I had always heard tantrums and I heard meltdowns. And when people describe one versus the other, um, you know, like I would say that my child was having a meltdown and my friend would say that their child was having a meltdown and had, they were nothing alike. Um, and the same thing with tantrum. And I think it was you who said, um, and it really resonated with me that tantrums are when, if we gave you the thing you wanted, the tantrum would stop. Meltdown is when, if we still gave it to you, you it wouldn't stop because there's almost always a sensory component to when it's the full meltdown. Yeah, And so I just wanted to touch on that because I think yeah. that yeah. made my head go, oh my gosh, it isn't, it, there, it, it's so important that we learn that there's something that the child wants because it starts with that. Yeah. But I know me, I'm allergic to wheat. And yeah. if I have some kind of an infraction and I, I'm like anybody else, I have things that I want, things that I need and things that tick me off and things that I can go off on, right? Um, or just sour my mood. Um, but if I have wheat and something happens, I am inconsolable. I don't have yeah. control over myself. I'm breaking out in hives. I'm hot. And yeah. my husband will tell you, you can't even be in the room with me. I'm a mess. Yeah. And I, and I always think about that and think for our kiddos, like there are things that are going to wreck their day because they're people. But if they're having an allergic reaction and something is wrecking their day and they aren't getting what they want, it, it like, quickly degrades into, and that's just one oh, example. You're allergic right. to something. It that's could right. be a flickering light. It could be, could the be a million, million things. Million things. That's ex- I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it all has to do with how they feel, right? And this goes back to, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the bigger issue of trying to make it fair, right? It's always about how, you know, there, and that's Shannon, those examples you gave are perfect because we don't know if the light flickering is bothering the child. We don't know if they're hearing outside noises that are bothering them. I mean, I can tell you, like, for example, right now that I'm a little sick, uh, you know, what I, if I lay down and I hear, let's say, I don't know, the washing machine next door or something, that's going to bother me more than when I'm not sick. And a lot of stuff is going on with our kids that we are not really fully cognizant of or that we don't know how they feel on an ongoing basis, right? And so they can be more irritable due to the sensory issues around them. They can be more irritable due to not sleeping. That's another one. They can be more irritable due to stomach problems or other types of pain that we're not aware of. There's a lot of that sort or or diet, you know, uh, um, having eaten things that cause them anxiety or stress or allergies or a million different things can be happening. And so you still, you know, behavioral intervention to me is just one of several things that have to be done. And I've always said this, 
it isn't enough. Like you might try to figure out the function of something and alter, you know, the communication with the child and teach the child that this form of communication doesn't work. This one does. And you should always do that, but it might not be enough. And you might need to also look at, did he sleep last night? Maybe he's not sleeping and I should just like let things be for a day or two. Uh, is he, what's happening with his diet? Was there an infringement on the diet? Did something occur there? Is he being bullied at school? I mean, there's like so many things that you need to also figure out, right? Because it's hard sometimes for our kids to communicate those things. Absolutely. But I love that you always come from the place of saying it has to be fair. Yeah. That we, you know, I didn't feel that it was fair this morning to ask Dr. Grand Pichet to be on the show. I Like, you know, she's got, she's not feeling well. And I didn't feel like it was fair. She's decided it was fair and she's an adult. I'm listening to her, but with our kiddos, they don't often get to go, Hey, you know, I'd like to take a pass here today. Can I, could you go easy on me today? Or I'm having a hard time. They don't have the ability to communicate that to us. So, so we have to be extra mindful of that. Um, I totally agree. Totally agree. Well, you're the one who taught me that. Michelle, this is like, I was just reading like kind of what Tracy is writing here, which there's always a bigger picture. And I agree with that so much. And I think the difference, you know, you and I always talk about good and bad ABA. And this makes a really, this is where you can differentiate good and bad ABA because Sometimes in the world of ABA, and I'll be the, you know, as a behavior analyst, I could say this. Uh, sometimes the, the behavior analyst gets so, uh, you know, entrenched in behavioral techniques that they don't pull back and look at the individual as a human being with sensory and needs and with sleep and dietary needs and with, you know, all sorts of stuff. That's why. Every time I do a training for behavior analysts, I start, I I emphasize that. There's nothing more I can emphasize than you are not just dealing with a behavior. You're dealing with a human being who also needs to sleep and eat and feel good and feel healthy and all of that and and exhibit behaviors. And that's a very important thing to, to recognize. Absolutely. Amen to that. While we're talking about behavior technicians and therapists, many of whom are amazing, amazing people, there are good people out there doing really good, mindful behavioral intervention to help that, you know, my child had the benefit of that, you guys. And, you know, he would love it. The doorbell would ring and he would know that it was a therapist, especially one therapist in particular, he would run, he would do, you know, cause he walked on his toes and he would run on his toes, tippy toe over to the door going, pedo, pedo, pedo. Cause he was so excited that he was hoping that it, would get, it was going to be Peter on the other side of the door. And he knew that he was going to have his, his big genie play person who was going to make everything happen for him, including helping him to be able to communicate his needs. So some of these people are angels walking this earth. I tell them all the time that those good ones, they're, they're the modern day superheroes. Um, And so we reach out to them every year, a group of them and say, Hey, what toy are you using in therapy? That is just getting it done. What do you recommend? What type of toy do you recommend? And then from that input, we pick um, winners to get the toy award 
for uh, therapist recommendations. So our let's start, we're going to go through all of our categories and show you what the therapists were talking about this year. Uh, so in the baby and toddler category, we have uh, from Manhattan Toy, it's called a Winkle. I have never heard of a Winkle before in my life. Um, but many of the therapists, when we were asking them, what kinds of things are good for babies and toddlers? And I think, Traven, do you have the pictures for these? Are you able to show the pictures? Um, but a, a, a winkle looks, it's a little bit like a rattle, but it's a little bit like a ball, but it's a little bit like one of those toys that has the, the cords that you can put. Um, oh, he doesn't have them. I apologize. They're in the toy guide. Check the toy guide and you'll be able to see it. But what's great about it, what the therapist told us that they loved about the Winkle is that you could work on so many different things with a baby. It's a sensory toy, but it also, you could work on colors, but it also could work on fine motor, but it also had a sensory component that you could rattle it. And that it was great for teaching those early ball skills, because when you catch a ball, when a ball is all flat surface, it's harder to catch. But if there's something where you can dig your fingers in to catch it, that it that works on hand-eye coordination. And you guys have realized at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders through your research that being able to catch that ball is part of a chain of skills that helps with so many things down the road, Dr. Grant Pichet. There it oh. is. There's the winkle. It's a crazy little thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Very popular. Our, our therapists loved it. And I'm sure you can see why they would. Um, okay, moving on to the preschool category. This is a thing that I would have walked by a million times and walked by because I was a teacher. And I would have walked by this in every teacher supply store and gone, what the heck would you do with that? And then I saw somebody, a good therapist, play with this with my child and, and it like, Ooh, lit my mind on fire. It is a pegboard, and we uh, picked the one from Gleeport. Um, basically, it's a piece of foam that has holes in it and it has plastic thing pegs that you can stick into it. Looks like the most boring thing in the world, but if you have a good therapist, they can turn this into a birthday cake. They can turn this into a building. They can turn this into teaching colors, numbers, language, you wouldn't believe what they can do with this toy. Um, I, 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 I remember when they were trying to get my son to be able to work on his oral motor because he didn't purse his lips, Dr. Grampichet. Yeah. And every day they would come in and they would put, he loved birthday cakes and they would put the, they would say, oh, let's get out the birthday cake. And together they would do the fine motor of putting the pegs in. And then they would say, okay, let's blow out all the candles. And they would make him which then made him be able to do bubbles, which helped to work on this oral motor thing. I'm sure you can think mm -hmm. of a million things to do with this because you're like that. Well, and also, I mean, the fine motor aspect alone, right? It's, uh, it looks like a really awesome toy. I really enjoyed it. it. Pegboards, uh, I, I just, I, I love to watch a good therapist look, uh, work with the pegboard. Okay, for our school age category, where the kids get a little bit more discerning and the toys got to do a little bit more, right? Uh, so uh, the winner was from KiwiCo. If you know them, they make wonderful uh, kits that, uh, that kids can build toys. They have this one kit, very affordable. You don't have to sign up for the whole monthly membership, but it's a great way to start with KiwiCo. They're called balloon cards. The child builds the car. They can do that with the therapist, but then it comes with a balloon. They have to blow up the balloon and look, the balloon, it makes oh the gosh, car. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Right? 
I can see every child would enjoy that. And think of all the things that a child, first of all, this could just be the reinforcer in therapy, right? To make the car blow up and make it go. But it also is working on breath control to blow up the balloon. There's, you know, you're working on fine motor things. So many things about this that our therapists loved. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love that for school-aged kids. And keep in mind, this could be a great uh, uh, gift for an adult because it's a, a, a kit too that they build the car. Um, so then for our queen teen category, Dr. Grand Pichet, uh, a really fun game from fun tribe crew called let's mingle. Mm -hmm. And this is a a card game. That's a conversation starter. I think for a lot of us, we have a hard time knowing how to start a conversation. And this is a great game meant just for teens that they can work in teams to be able to have conversations. Great, great. And our, our therapist said this was really useful. Um, so we love that. Um, anything that, that, that would be amazing, Shannon. I, I think that would be something really, really useful for so many of our teens. I can, I would love that as a tool. Yeah. That's great. And then for adults, when we get into adults, the therapists were talking about the things that were really useful, depending on what they were working on, but a really good set of uh, noise canceling headphones that so that they could focus on other things. We happened to pick um, because it was a great price point for a really great reviews that we checked to see uh, because sometimes these noise canceling headphones can be cost prohibitive, right? So from Cowlin, we have noise canceling canceling headphones, um, which you've talked many times before about there are environments, not constantly, but there are environments in which the only way some of our adults can access the environment is if they can take some measure of control over the environment. We chose these because, as I said, the price point was good. They could come in colors and that they could look cool while they had them on. That's an amazing price, actually, for those. And these are the best type because they're the type that the the cup is large enough to go over the ear because really those are the ones that are really noise canceling because they sort of produce some sort of suction and then you really can't hear. And yeah, I mean, you're not going to use it all the time, but I remember I had a a patient who lived in New York city and honestly the, he was an adult and he was becoming agoraphobic because he could not leave his house because it's so noisy in Manhattan, you know? And so it, we, once we gave him noise canceling headphones, his life changed. Like he just knew kind of just like we put our coat on, he would put his headphones on when he went outside, you know? And then after that, actually, he also added uh, sunglasses and then he felt very kind of protected from the environment. Well, look at that. Cowan has a game right now that you might be able to win percentage off. So how about that? Um, there are other kinds of noise canceling phones, but um, we really liked, like I said, the price point yes. and the fact that it came in colors. And because, you know, if it's something that our kids are going to wear, um, whether they're teens or adults, we we need to acknowledge that they care about how they look. They do. Yeah. Don't think that just because they're on the spectrum that they're not aware of how people perceive them and that they're not aware of how they feel about how they look. So we want them to look styling when they're wearing headphones. Uh, And I liked that they were cordless because we don't need to have cords anymore, which is fabulous. Okay. But, excuse me, 
we have the caregiver therapist. I loved this, that when therapists were talking about if there was one thing that they wished that they could get for caregivers, they said they wish they could get more sleep, meditation and relaxation and mindfulness. Absolutely. Isn't that a great gift that they want to give us? And so we chose, we said, well, what would do all of those things? And we said a calm, the app gift certificate um, I'm a big fan of this. You're the one who turned me on to this, especially the McConaughey factor. I talk about this all the time on the show. Uh, I'm going to meet Matthew McConaughey someday and, uh, and tell him right away. And I am. I'm going to go. Um, it, it is it is the joke in my family that if you put on this app and you start, they have so many sleep stories and so many meditations. There is a cost um, to be able to access all of them, although they have free ones, but it's worth it, I believe, to get the year long subscription just for the McConaughey. I don't really use the rest of it and I should, but I can put on McConaughey and I'm asleep within 30 seconds. So if you have somebody that you love that is telling you that they're having insomnia, anxiety, whatever, this is a great gift. I love that therapists wanted this for us. Isn't that a lovely way to look at the world? Uh, so, and I, and thank you because I would never have thought to listen to Matthew McConaughey. You're the one who told me. And, and so many people, I talk about this and people go, I know, right. The McConaughey factor, that poor man will never work because there's just a sea of people who will go to sleep now whenever he speaks. That's so funny. Uh, so there we go. Those are all featured in the toy guide. If you want to see other categories, we've been featuring categories on the show, but um, have, we got a minute here. Let's show one of the videos. We tried to do this last week. It didn't work. We're hopeful it'll work. Crossing our fingers. Uh, we made a series of videos uh, with myself and Dr. Grampuche and her adult children. Let's take a look at what, this is the school aged, all of right. the winner. Well, some of the winners, not all of the winners in the school aged right. category. Let's take a look. Welcome to the Festival of Toys here at Autism Live, now on the Autism Network. We have a lot of toys to show you. And for the first time, I have Dr. Dorian Grampshade joining me. Such a pleasure. But we have some other guests joining us mm-hmm. as well to preview just some of the amazing toys that we have featured for you. So it's time to talk about our school-aged winners mm-hmm. for the toy guide. This is our top toy winner. It's the Ultra Dash, and it comes with these funky bases in this wand. There are so many different games that you can play. Basically, you take these bases and you, you can hide them, hide them around, or you yeah. can just put them around the room. And then you, depending on which game you program it that you want to play, uh, you have to run around the room and either find the matching base, like it might say find the blue one, and now I've got to find where the blue one is and stick it in the base before the time runs out. Ultra Dash, it's from Play Monster. They make a bunch of really cool toys. So our boredom buster are these wonderful surprise balls. You can make your own little surprise ball. You can choose your different designs. And yeah, you can make inside, you can make a charm bracelet, a backpack charm, and then you write a little note to your friend and they open the surprise ball and inside comes out all those things that you made. And it's super fun and you can make it. So it's like you're making it custom for that person, which I think is very cute. All right, I love this next toy. It looks very simple, but this is a great speech building toy for school-aged kids. It's called Gib Gab. 
comes to us from Fat Brain Toys, who we love. And it's very simple. Uh, it does require some batteries, but it's a button that turns on. You've got two buttons, and these buttons light up. Now we're going to play a game. And you can pick any category that you want. Let's start with something easy so we can demonstrate. So let's pick animals. Dog. Cat. Lion. Elephant. Tiger. So like, just if I keep going, then I win. Yeah, we go. But you know what else I love about it too is that it makes it okay to fail. Oh yeah. That sometimes it's none of us can come up with a word, right? So and true. for our kids to see that and understand that, oh, that's nothing to Absolutely. feel bad about. Um, you know that everybody is that way. I think it's super fun. So, gib gab. Do we want to do one more category? No, we're good. <laughs> Here we are with our educational toy winner for the school age. This is the Math Wizard. It's There's a whole line of Math Wizards, but this is Secrets of the Dragon. I've got the guidebook here. This is what comes inside. This is the sort of, uh, I guess the instruction manual would be the best thing to call it. Basically everything everything here is designed to teach uh, some kind of math, different kinds of math. Uh, loaded onto the app here are a bunch of different games that you can explore. What happens is that there's a reflector here. If you know Osmo, um, eventually you put the book down in front of, uh, so you're sitting in front of the iPad with the book down, and it makes the book come alive on your iPad, and you interact with the book with the iPad, and magic happens. This book is called Balloons, and it's written by Rainbow Moshi, Mosho, and she is a 13-year-old girl on the spectrum mm -hmm. who has written, this is her third book, but this book is about OCD and her oh, experience wow. with OCD and what it's like for people to have OCD and that there are different balloons over your head that are the thoughts that follow you in different places. And isn't this a lovely, and she did, she did all the illustrations, but to hear it directly from a 13 year old on the spectrum. Absolutely. And, and OCD of course is obsessive compulsive disorder. And for someone who's just 13 mm -hmm. to be able to write about it and, and express what it feels like is, is tremendous. Really special book. We're so proud to have this in our toy guide this year. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being with us on this wonderful exploration of toys. Check out the full toy guide at autismnetwork.com. You can also check it out at autism-live.com. But from our families to your families, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. That was so well, nice. It's so wonderful. If I would let any of you get a word in edgewise ever. <laughs> Well, it's that was lovely. Always so fun to see the kids helping out. They're amazing, amazing people. Uh, so uh, fantastic. I want to make sure that everybody knows. Oh, I've got people calling me. I don't want you to know that. Um, I want, want to make sure that everybody knows where to find the toy guide. Because we're in the middle of changing things over a little bit right now. So you can still find it at autism-live.com. If you go to the very top of the page and click toy guide, um, you'll, you'll be right there. You'll, what you'll get is a landing page that lets you choose which category by age. Do you want the baby toddler? Do you want the preschool? Do you want adults? I really encourage you to click on all of them one at a time and go through and see all of the winners and all of the categories and see what speaks to you for the individual that you love and are, are looking for a gift for. You can also find the toy guide by going to autismnetwork.com. 
come. It, there is a tab at the top that says toy guide. And then there's a drop down menu that lets you choose which one of the categories. Again, I think it's worthwhile to look at all of them. I do want to say that every year we, we pick these winners and um, we have toy manufacturers who uh, want to donate to an event that we do every year. That's our sensitive Santa event. It's going to be held this year on the 19th of December. We're partnering with the Ed Asner family center to do a drive through event. It's a Sunday. It'll be an all day event. You will have to register for tickets. Only people who have tickets will be allowed to drive in wave at Santa and get a toy. One of the toys that's featured here from one of the manufacturers uh, featured here in the toy guide. So uh, if you live in the Los Angeles area, I believe that the, the launch for the site to be able to register for tickets is going to be on Friday. Stay tuned because uh, we'll make sure on that we announce for sure on Friday. Friday, it would be at Friday at one is what it's set to launch right now because the tickets go fast. It is a limited, there's a limited amount of people we can fit in at a time. And, and we're making sure that everybody stays very socially distanced. You'll be in your car the whole time. You'll wave at Santa. Unfortunately, we don't have the opportunity to stop and take a picture with Santa this year, but we do have toys while they last that we will be giving away. And as you can see, they're wonderful toys. We can't thank our toy manufacturers enough for their generosity because it's an amazing thing. Um, so we're almost out of time and I, I'm, I'm unable to see the chat to see if anybody has a last second question, but I think we're, we're I don't think that we necessarily have time. I apologize that my chat wasn't working well today. Uh, but Dr. Grampiche, with the time that we have left, we need to tell, remind everybody that on TikTok, you are there answering questions in addition to being here answering questions. So people can find you at Ask Dr. Doreen on TikTok. Mm -hmm. if, the, if you have a question that did not get answered, I apologize profusely, but let me say that my email is Shannon at autism-live.com. If you have the old email, which is s.penrod, uh, that works too, but Shannon at autism-live.com. It does take a few minutes for it to go through. Um, so VG, I have not yet received your email, but I haven't checked in the last few minutes. Uh, any parting thoughts, Dr. Grampy-Shay? We went through a lot today. Yeah, we did. It was uh, fun talking about all the new things that are coming up. But I think, you know, and we have still a few more shows before the end of the year, but um, as I told you the other day when I read about the new prevalence numbers, uh, it just made me realize that we all need to work a little bit harder to help uh, parents who are coming into this world, right? I mean, for me, it's uh, the only thing I've done for, I don't know, 43 years but, and for you, uh, it's your world since, I guess, since Jim was diagnosed, right? But, and, and so, and of course, you know, you're one of the parents who does a tremendous amount for other parents, but I feel that every parent, you know, share your experiences. Let's work together to really, uh, how do you say it? Like help the next person pass it forward, Pay it right? Forward. Pay yeah. it forward, and we just need to uh, do that because there. Every I, it, it you know whether it's today or literally forty years ago, the parents that I see are in the same level of distress. 
the same amount of confusion because there's still not a clear path for them. Um, And so I really encourage all of our viewers, uh, if there's something that you have learned that has helped you, uh, pay it forward and share it. Uh, A lot of the kids are different. So if the person you're sharing it with chooses not to take that information, don't be offended. That's okay. Uh, but sharing the things that we've learned uh, are is, is a good thing to do. And I'm going to keep giving that message throughout the coming year. Yeah, we're excited about 2022. And uh, Dr. Grand Prichet and I have a bunch of ideas of things, ways that we want to, I, I you know, I love Oprah. And, and Oprah you know, has said for years that the song that she hears in her head is that, that old song. I don't know who it does, but where they go, use me, uh, use me up, um, that I want to be useful in this community and find more ways, different ways, um, to be useful, um, to, to pay it forward. I have so much to be grateful for and to pay forward, but we also want to give you guys opportunities to pay it forward. Um, as well. So stick around. We've, we still have, I think, two more uh, Ask Dr. Dreams before the end of the year, but we're going to blow out the doors on 2022. It's going to be the best ever here. Um, we're really excited about it. So stick with us. We're back tomorrow with more of the Toy Guide. Excited to bring that to you. And of course, we have a show on Friday with Vince Redman, where Nancy Allspot Jackson and, and Vince and I are going to go through the parent recommendations from right. the Toy Guide, but we'll also take questions as well. So all of that and more uh, coming up in the coming days. We have to say goodbye. During Dr. During Grand Pichet, please, will you go get some rest? I will. I am heading to bed after this. (laughs) All right. Very nice to see you, Shannon. Thanks, everyone. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you, too. Bye-bye for now.